Would you turn this morning in the scripture to a passage we've been looking at for some weeks in Romans, the eighth chapter. Let's pray before we read. Romans 8, 14. Father, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. What a gracious, wonderful God you are. Thank you that you've not left us without comfort and without guidance, but you have given us the great Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who directed and anointed Jesus, is on us and in us. He is our teacher and our guide, and we look to you and yield to him today to give us utterance and to give everybody eyes and ears and a heart to receive. Help us to come up to a place of walking closer with you and being more sensitive and aware, more responsive and respectful to your spirit and the leadings of the Lord. And we give you the glory and we say what you show us will not be forgetful. But we'll be doers and those who practice the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Romans 8, 14. Says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How many of you, that scripture means more to you now than it did a few months ago? Just has more punch to you, doesn't it? Just <laughs> Well, for one thing, the more you are led by the Spirit, the more real it is to you. You know, you, you can watch this. If it's old to you, you're not living in it. What do you mean? Well, if you hear something, you go, oh, yeah, Brother Keith reads that every Sunday. I mean, you know. Wish you'd find a new scripture. <laughs> I know, I know. Sons of God led by the Spirit of God. I know that verse. I've been knowing that since I was 15. Uh-uh. You don't know much about it at all. Or you wouldn't think like that and you wouldn't feel that way. Did you hear me? If it's real to you, it's not old to you. You understand that? You don't hear it and go, yeah, ho-hum, yeah, I know that. I've been knowing that. Uh-uh, no, no. Man, when it's working in your life, when you were led by the Spirit all week last week and were saved from all kind of mistakes and led into blessings, you say, hey, yeah, tell me some more. This is working, man. Tell me some more. Right? When it's real in your life and it's happening, you never tire of it. Never. It's never old to you. If it's real to you, it's never old to you. If it's old to you, it's not real to you. He said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can sons of God expect to be led by the Spirit of God? Yes, they can. You know, the world is led by all kind of things. I'm talking about those who don't know God. Led by their head, mostly. Led by reasoning. Led by logic. 
led by circumstances, led by feelings, led by emotions. How many people, God led them into a, a, a job or a business, led them into a church, and then something happened they didn't like, and they got mad, and they threw their stuff down and quit. And they left where God led them into. Well, were they spirit-led out? Or were they offense-led? Anger-led? Hurt-led? If you're led by hurts, you're not being led by the Holy Ghost. Right? How many times that kind of thing has happened? People are led by money. They'll leave a good church, leave good friends, leave a good situation... And go to a completely unknown place just for a few thousand dollar a year raise. Well, I got, I got, I'm making more money. I've got to go. No, you don't got to go. You better go where the Lord tells you to go. Amen. Amen. Your job's not your source anyway. Right? Amen. He can bless you so many ways. Amen. Glory to God. We've been uh, going over step by step. Uh, How to be led by the Spirit. We talked at length about the person of the Holy Spirit. We talked about His ways. We talked about how He leads. The scripture here said He bears witness with our spirit. that Not with our head, not with our emotions, not with our physical body, with our spirit. We we took a, a lot of time talking about that. The witness of the Spirit. And then for some weeks now we've been talking about keys to increased sensitivity. Things you can do and I can do that will cause us to become more aware of the Holy Spirit's leadings and become more sensitive. How many have a desire that when he speaks to you, I mean he whispers to you. You hear it loud and clear and you know it's him. Right? That you are not dull. And confused that he tries, tries to get something across to you for a month. And you still ain't got a clue. And he, he has the preacher preach on it. And sends five people across your path to talk about it. And you're still going. Lord are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> you hear people sometimes say. Well, I tell you what. I'd have to, God have to speak to me out of a burning bush. That's a bad thing to say. That means you're hard headed. Yeah. And dull and slow. Yeah. No, no. No, no, no. When he speaks to you softly, still small voice, not even talking about a voice now, but just that sense on the inside and the witness, you know it, you know it's him and you're not arguing with him. You're not bucking against him. You respond to him. That's the kind of people that get blessed, that are protected and are led into great and good places. Amen. How many believe that the Holy Spirit of God, if you'll follow him, He'll lead you right out of poverty into prosperity. You believe that? He'll do it. I've seen him. He's done it with us. How many believe the Holy Spirit, if you'll listen to him, follow him, he'll lead you right out of sickness into health and strength. He'll show you every day. He'll show you what to do and what not to do. And he'll teach you and he'll just take you right out of it. Might not all happen overnight, but if you'll follow him, he'll take you right out of it. How many believe he'll take you if a husband and wife will follow the Holy Spirit? He'll lead you out of torment and out of a bad marriage. And he'll show you what to fix and what to change until what was like we were preaching Friday night. What was bitter and sour can become sweet. Hallelujah. Well, that ain't a word I'd use to describe my marriage. 
But you just keep hanging around here. You just keep hanging around here. Give God a chance. Don't give up on him or each other. And watch what God will do for you. Yeah. So we talked about a number of things. About how to increase insensitivity. I'll go over them briefly. We talked about yieldedness. How to yield to him. We talked about openness. You can't just have everything planned and locked down. And I, this is the way I've decided to do it and I'm going to do it. You've got to be open. That even in the middle of a thing for the Lord to show you something different. You know, I don't know. Just about every time that I preach. i got something in mind, a way to go. And I've heard from him. But then in the middle of it, he shows me something else. And you've got to be willing to just forget the notes and just go that away. Right? Or, you know... Phyllis and I, in, in learning how to be led by the Spirit. You know, there are days that we just, you know, once in a while have an off day and a fun day. And, uh, you know, that just go, you know, maybe go on a drive or, or go on this. And, and you got kind of a plan, but then you just feel like we ought to go over here. Or we ought to do this. And we've had some of the most amazing things happen to us wind up at just exactly the right place at the right time. I mean, we were one day, we were, took a ride, and for some reason had forgot to take money with us. Didn't have any cash on us. And I, what all happened that day? The Lord led us, and we got to this one place, it was a race. It was a dirt track race. And I thought, well, I'd like to go that. And I was standing, and, and we just standing and looking, but we didn't have any money to get in. And, and the lady at the ticket counter, she said, would y'all like to go in? We said, yeah. She said, go on in. We said, thank you. And so we went to the races free. We ate free. What happened? How'd that happen? That's right. That's right. We didn't have no cash, but we did have that credit card. That's right. We were going to eat in a restaurant, but somebody came up and paid. And we just had fun all day and didn't plan to do any of that stuff. But we were just open. Everybody say open. open. Got to be open. Don't make your plan and don't be rigid and, well, we've already planned this out and we got it. No, no. Stay open. We talked about a clear conscience. We talked about letting the peace of God rule in your heart. We talked about patience and perfection. And we talked about holiness. Remember that? That's just last week, right? Holiness. Without holiness, you won't see the Lord. You won't perceive his things. The, the Bible in Peter, he warns us about the deceptiveness of sin. Getting into sin will dull you. It'll darken your perception. And the worse lifestyle you lead, the duller you will become. But a separated unto God lifestyle, clean lifestyle, you'll get clearer, sharper, and more sensitive. And this is not just doing something one day. This is how you live. Week in, week out. Month after month. Year after year. Now let's go on today. Turn with me please to uh, James. The first chapter. Let, let's talk about another thing. Another area. Another matter of practice whereby we can become more sensitive. James. Chapter 1. Everybody say it out loud while you're turning over there. I'm led by the Spirit. Every day. 
I miss, I miss. Problems, problems, accidents, accidents. All, the time. all the time. I avoid, I avoid. snares and pitfalls. and pitfalls, and I'm always, I'm always. At, the right place, at the right place, at the right time, the right time. Because, I because I am led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Talk like that. That helps the Lord work in your life and direct you. In James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, you know, wisdom has to do with the plan and the purpose of God. And wisdom has to do with the future. In fact, there's a manifestation of the Spirit, you know, called the Word of Wisdom. It's different from the Word of Knowledge. Somebody, you know, sometimes people say, well, so-and-so, boy, he's really smart. God gave him the gift of the Word of Knowledge. That's got nothing to do with that. Oh, a Word of Knowledge is not having a bunch of knowledge. It's a supernatural manifestation. It's a revelation of something that God knows to you. That there's no way you could know it. Except he revealed it to you. Wisdom. Somebody said, well so and so he's really wise. God has given to him the gift of wisdom. No. It didn't say gift of wisdom. It's word of wisdom. It's a revelation. And wisdom is different from knowledge. In the sense that it has to do with the future. It has to do. You know for instance. Wisdom just in actions. A foolish man will do something. And mess himself up and go. Wow I shouldn't have done that. Because when I did that, they did this. And when I did that, well, see, a wise man will, will think before he moves and says, Now, if I do that, then this is going to happen. And I don't want that to happen, so I ain't going to do that. Foolish man or woman just barrels off into stuff and then figures out later that it was a bad idea. Did you hear me? Foolish man or woman runs their mouth and then later goes, <laughs> You know, I shouldn't have said that. That's being a fool. Did you hear me? But a wise person, they will think before they speak. And they'll say, now I shouldn't say it like that because if I do, they'll think I mean that. And I don't. So I won't use that word. I use it. Somebody said, man, if I do all that thinking, they'll all be through talking and leave before I say anything. (laughs) To begin with, it might be like that. But eventually you'll, be, you'll get trained by telling you one thing. You won't be repenting all the time for saying the wrong thing. It's better to say too little. Yeah. Wisdom. So wisdom has to do with the plan and the purpose of God. Now listen. In the future. He said. Uh, if you lack wisdom do what? Ask of God. That gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You can't say I asked God for wisdom and he said no not you. Because he gives how? Liberally to who? All anybody. Anybody that will ask. Right? I asked God for wisdom but he said no, no. I'd save that for important people. No, no. Anybody. And it what? It shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That paints a picture, doesn't it? I mean, you're up, and then you're down, and you're over here, and then you're over there. Tossed like carried around on waves of the water. That's the picture of a wavering man or woman. He said a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. Now here's another big key to being led by the Spirit and to being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You must be steadfast. Steadfastness is a key to being Spirit-led and to growing and increasing in sensitivity. You must be stable, steadfast. The person who wavers up and down. Yeah, let's do it today, tomorrow. No, I don't know. It's a tormenting life. The life of indecision. It's a tormenting life. The life of wavering. Yeah, I, I believe God will heal me today. Tomorrow, well, they gave me a bad report. I don't know. I, I thought it was his will. I believe, yeah, you know, you get caught up in the moment at the church service. All of us shouting about God, making the list come to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, something happened in your job or your income by the end of the week. And you go, yeah, but this economy, you know, I don't, I just don't know. Sunday, it was yes. Thursday, it was no. Wednesday, it was I don't know. Friday, maybe so. That doesn't work. I said, that doesn't work. The wavering. Maybe so, maybe not. There's help here today. Somebody said, Brother Keith, that's, that's been me. Why do you think we're all here this morning talking about it? All of us have done some of this sometime. But some people have just, I mean, their life's just been torn apart by it. Because of this indecisiveness. This indecisiveness is not of God. And this indecisiveness and wavering and vacillation is not indicative of the Spirit-led life. When you're led by the Spirit, that's not how you operate. You operate in the simplicity of, He's directing me, so that's what I do. What about this? No what about. I've heard from Him. Right? You sleep good. Everybody say, no wavering. No wavering. Now, uh, go with me, how about it, to Romans 4. Let me repeat some of that now. Wisdom includes the direction of God. Wisdom includes revelation of the plan of God. If you lack direction, if you lack wisdom, if you lack understanding and revelation of the plan of God, what do you do? Ask God for it, right? Lord, show me what to do. Show me what your plan is, right? That agrees with Proverbs 3. In all your ways, acknowledge him. 
Right? Acknowledge him. Go to him. Tell him you know he knows. Ask him to show you what he knows. In all your ways acknowledge him. What's the rest of it say? And he shall direct your paths. If you lack wisdom, do what? Ask of God and he will. He gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But what? Ask in faith. What does that mean? It means expecting. It means you're persuaded. It's his will to give it to you. And it means you're expecting him to respond to you. Ask in faith. Nothing wavering. No wavering. No wavering. That's why on, on every area of life, the, the scripture said uh, in Ephesians, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We have a responsibility to get in this book and to find out what is will. See, so, so many people, and I mean, I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of Christians this morning, are deceived. To them, it sounds religious, everything that comes up and they say, well, the will of the Lord be done. Thy will be done. And make no effort to find out the will of God. And they think they're just leaving it up to him. Not in realizing he's left some things up to us. You can't leave up to him what he's left to you. And if he told us to ascertain his will. And then stand unwaveringly on his will. Then it ain't going to cut it for you to cover wavering and vacillation in the name of whatever the will of the Lord is. That means you believe it might happen now and it might not happen. We just don't know. It's just all in the Lord's hands anyway. Let's come back to the most basic thing. Somebody getting saved. They come down to the altar and you hear them praying. You're beside them and they say, now Lord, if it's your will to save me, then Save me. If not, then thy will be done. It's not up to us. It's all in your hands. Would you tell them that's all right? That's good, brother. Yeah, just leave it up to God. Is that all right? No. It's not. A, is that faith? No. And then when they get up, you say, well, do you believe you're saved? Well, I just don't know. I'm just leaving it in the hands of the Lord. Because he knows best. And... Uh, if it's his will, then I'll be saved. And if it's not, then I, well, does faith have anything to do with it? And is there faith when people are wavering like that? No, you got to believe it is his will for you to be saved. You got to believe he's already paid the price. You got to believe he is the Lord who's been raised from the dead and confess him as Lord with your mouth. And you got to believe your sins are washed away, right? Not maybe so, hope so. No, it is. Right? Well, why would other things in the kingdom be different? They're not. Healing is that way. Prosperity is that way. Thing after thing after thing. So the big obstacle is we have to find the will of God and become completely persuaded of it. Amen? Don't take my word for it. Put your nose in this book. Amen? Find scriptures until you get persuaded. Right? Look in this uh, Romans 4, because that's what this talks about. Romans 4. Hallelujah, we're making progress. 
The Bible said Abraham followed God's example in verse 17, and he called those things that be not as though they were. This is Romans 4, 17. Against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. In other words, there was no reason in the natural for him to expect to be this, but he expected anyway. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he's about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. What does that sound like? No wavering. Staggered not, wavered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded, completely assured. Amen. Completely convinced. Fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And it happened. I said it happened. It happened. He was fully persuaded. How many understand Abram and then later Abraham, he was not talking to his wife and talking to the people that he was with going, well, you know, we're leaving it up to the Lord. If he sees fit to give us a child, then okay. And if he doesn't, then it's just his will be done. Somebody said, well, that's the way Jesus prayed, Brother Keith. In the garden, concerning submitting to the will of God, Jesus never prayed that way for the sick. Never prayed that way for people to be delivered. Did you hear me? No, you don't take one kind of prayer and just make it blanket over every situation. There is a time to pray that. There is a time to come consecrate yourself. Thy will be done. And he was looking at something, you know, he he didn't want to go through with. But he said, if that's your will, then your will be done. But friend, we've got to ascertain. And when he ascertained that it was the will of God, God told him that he was to be the father of multitude. And when he tells you something, you don't then come back and say, well, if it's his will. He told you it was his will. Right? So no more questioning. Questioning after you've been told the will of God is nothing in the world but wavering. And unbelief. And it's a serious thing. It'll cost you. No. Abraham became fully persuaded. Hallelujah. Are you fully persuaded of anything in here this morning? I am. I am fully persuaded. That every one of these seats will be paid for. In short order. And they'll all be filled too. I'm not losing sleep at night over where there might be. I'm persuaded. Amen. I'm persuaded that airplane's paid for. Not even a deal. It's going to be one of the easiest things we've ever done. I'm persuaded we'll have some of the best TV equipment in the country. Paid for. We'll have a quality broadcast. We'll never lack for money. To put it on the internet or to put it on TV. I'm persuaded of that. And I'm persuaded God heard us when we stood up the other day. And we lifted up those things. And I'll tell you what, God's bringing this whole group up. He's just bringing this whole church family up. You persuaded of anything? Not wondering? Not wavering? I'm not going around asking everybody, do you think that'll come to pass? 
No, I don't have to ask. I'm persuaded. Go to Judges, please. Judges 19. What is a key to being led by the Spirit? Steadfastness. Steadfastness. When you hear from God, what do you do? You stay with it. You stick with it. Don't let anything move you. Judges. That's in the Old Testament. Have you found Judges? 19. Judges 19. Interesting story in here. About a man who uh, his wife of sorts left him. Read the whole story and you'll see what I'm talking about. And uh, said she went and played the whore against him. The Bible talks plain, don't it? <laughs> you know, we, we need to get back to Bible terminology. Hmm? Well, she's a nice girl. She just sleeps around a lot. Bible says whore. He's a nice young man. But you know, he's just always going with women. Whoremonger. Well, he's a nice young man, but he's gay. Sodomite. He's a nice young man, but you've got to put your stuff up because he might slip something in his pocket. He has a problem. Thief. Well, she's a nice young lady, but, you know, sometimes she doesn't tell you everything. Just like, liar. Liar. Mr. Brother Keith, that's hard. That's Bible. And the reason I say that is because the enemy's always working to tone it down. You know, it's, well, it's, it's not, you know, not really a liar. Yes, liar. When you don't tell the truth, you're a liar. Huh? No. You know, people try to water it down and it's just not so bad. It is bad. It's sin. It'll kill you. Today, people in the church, they don't have sin. They have problems. (laughs) Sin is an unpopular word, you know. Well, so-and-so, you know, they, they, they have a problem. They're working on it. What does that mean? Well, he has a, has a problem with women and he's, he's had three affairs and he has a problem. Well, he's an adulterer. What do, what do we mean he's working on it? <laughs> well, he's, a, he's an adulterer and he, you know, he was having a, a, a relapse every day and now, now he's down to once a month. And uh, what does that mean? He's an adulterer, he's in sin, and he hasn't repented. And it's entirely his fault. Well, he's just so weak and he just can't help it. Lie. Lie. No. Nobody has to do these things. Nobody has to yield. Nobody has to sin. If you do, you're completely responsible. Thank God there's forgiveness. Thank God there's cleansing. If, 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 if you repent. Repent doesn't mean fall in the altar and cry and feel bad and go do it again tomorrow. Repent means Turn from it 
to the good, change. And don't say you can't. That's a lie. Believe the truth. Right? Everybody sit out loud. I can. Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Now, now, if you think you don't like what I just said, realize I'm quoting the Bible. Right? I'm calling things what the Bible calls them. So should you. So should we all. There'll be a lot less confusion. <laughs> uh, anyway, his wife played the whore. And went away from him. And it was about four months past. And her husband decided he wanted her back. So he went after her to speak friendly to her and bring her again. This is verse 3. And I guess, you know, they, they kind of got it worked out some way or another. And the father of the damsel saw him and rejoiced to meet him. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him. Retained. Everybody say retain. What does that mean? Kept him. And he abode within three days. In other words, he was going to. Leave a lot quicker than that. Right? If he was retained. He was going to go. They worked it out. He's ready to go back home. But his father-in-law retained him. I think you could also say detained. And he abode with him three days so that they did eat and drink and lodge there. And it came to pass on the fourth day. He's already been detained at least a couple of days, maybe three. He, they got up early in the morning to go. Donkeys are packed. Everything's ready. And the damsel's father said to his son-in-law, comfort your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. Come on in here and sit down. Now I know y'all ready to go, but come in here and eat. And so they sat down and they ate and they drank and they talked. And the damsel's father said to the man, you know, why don't you, it's getting late now. Why don't you just stay and spend the night and let your heart be merry? So they did. The next day, Man got up to go, and his father-in-law urged him. So he lodged there again, detained, putting it off, procrastination. And he got up early in the morning on the fifth day to go. And the damsel's father said, comfort your heart, I pray thee. So they stayed there till after. See, every day they're getting ready. They're supposed to go first thing in the morning. But he said, no, you know, you can't go on an empty stomach. So get on in here and eat something. And, and, well, you know, it's already close to noon. You might as well have lunch. Well, you know, it's getting late in the day. You don't want to start in the middle of the day, so you might as well spend another night. So they tarried till afternoon. He did eat both of them. And when the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine, his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said to him, Behold, now the day draws toward evening. I pray you tarry all night. Same story. The day grows to an end. Lodge here. Let your heart be merry. And tomorrow get up early and go on the way that you may go home. But the man would not tarry that night. And he rose up and left. Now, and he came to Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And uh, they wound up out in the street. And before the night was over, wicked men came. They wound up, they, they wanted to molest him. Uh, they, were, they were sodomites. And they wound up molesting and killing his concubine for all this was over. How many understand this was not the will of God? If he had left in the early in the morning, he would have been past this place. Did you hear this? 
He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because he was not led by what he had in his heart. He let other people sway him. Oh, friends, are you listening? Oh, this is so important. You know, the highly publicized uh, airplane crash of, uh, what is was it? Was it John Kennedy Jr.? They tell us that if he had left according to the way he had planned it and filed his flight plan, they'd probably all still be alive because he'd have got there in the daylight, which he was qualified to do. But his wife and was it his sister-in-law? I forget how it was, but between them, they delayed him hours late for frivolous stuff. And then he decided to go on anyway, and it was late, and the conditions deteriorated, and they crashed. Sometimes, being at an intersection when the drunk driver rips through there and not being there is the difference between five minutes. People don't like to think about these things, but we should be led by the Spirit. And there's been, there's been many a time I've had an urgency in my spirit. Go ahead and do it. Get on out to the airplane. Get gone. Go to your car. Go ahead. And when you do, you should not ignore that. And you shouldn't let people talk it. Well, won't you come over here? Won't y'all eat before you go and, and do that? There have been times I did some of that and missed it and had problems because of it. Now I've learned, you know, I want to be polite, but I'm not going to miss God over being polite. And if you respect me and, you, and, and us being led and all that, I'm talking about friends and family and anybody, then you won't try to deter and detain somebody when they got something in their heart. Right? We need to learn to respect that with each other. There have been other times, the Lord deal with me, go ahead now, don't mess around, get out of here. And that's also another reason why uh, men don't need to be waiting half a day on their wives all the time. She said, oh, Brother Keith, you really get into it. Listen, I'm telling you, it's not right. It's wrong on many levels. Let me ask you a question. Is it more appropriate for the employee to wait on the employer or for the employer to wait on the employee? Which is more, more appropriate? Much more appropriate for the employee to have to wait on the employer. Which is more appropriate? The Lord to have to wait on us? Or us to wait on him? Absolutely. Which is more appropriate? The head of the church to have to wait on the members? Or the members wait on the head? The head of the house have to wait on the kids or somebody else? Or vice versa? When you make people wait on you, you're saying some things you don't want to be saying. You're saying, look, my time is more important than your time. And I don't care what you think, what you want. You wait on me. I'm important. So everything stops for me. You know, people have grown up like this, you know. I, I remember Phyllis, when she was over the admissions at the Bible school, she had numerous young girls that would just never get to class on time. She had one young lady, bless her heart, always late. Now she looked like a model when she got there. But she's always late. 
Her priorities are messed up. Did you hear me? She, had, she can't get there to school on time, but she's got time to labor for hours on her makeup and try on nine outfits. And I says, what's wrong with that? Everything. You're saying to the Lord, you're, you're not priority to me. You're, you're calling me to go to school. Here's not priority to me. This is more important. It's, it's a confusion. Now, the reason I say this is because there have been people who were at the wrong place at the wrong time and had accidents happen and even damage and, and injury and life lost because of not obeying the Holy Ghost. You know, cleaning the house when they should have already been on the road. Did you hear me? Still on the phone when they should have been out the door. Doing things they ought not be doing. Said out loud, I will not let my flesh and other people detain me and cause me to override what I have in my heart. So we, we got through confessing, I will always be at the right place at the right time. You got to observe this for that to happen. And you see this too, a lot of times, that people, they procrastinate, procrastinate, yield to other people's influence, and then, you know, they get so pent up about, you know, they feel like I've put it off, I put it, then they are over hasty and just act rashly and do something and miss God. Now this man had probably missed God by not leaving days ago. But at this point, he's already hung around another half a day, then he probably missed God by not staying. That day. Did you hear me? He missed it on both sides. Procrastinating, procrastinating, and then doing something rash. Thinking, no, 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 I've stayed too long already. Well, now don't, just because you've made one mistake, don't make another. And do something rash. Hallelujah. We're having fun today, aren't we? Go to 1 Kings, please, the 13th chapter, and then also go to 2 Corinthians 11. 1 Kings 13. I mean, I uh, had the privilege of serving with Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. for years. And I know we were... uh, I and uh, Patsy Beerman, now Caminetti, did music for him for years. Healing school and prayer school. We'd sit right over on the corner. He'd preach and teach. And uh, every day, he'd point over and say, y'all come on up. That means he's about to close. And we're supposed to come up and sing and play. Sometimes I'd play. Sometimes... I'd sing. We'd swap off. One day, he looked over. He said, y'all come on up. And he kept on talking, preaching about something. Well, she looked at me and she said, you want to sing today? I said, I don't care. I said, you can. She said, well, I don't care. You can. I said, well, you got something you want to sing? She said, not particularly. You got something? I said, well, not especially. I said, (laughs) she said, well, you can go ahead. I said, well, you can. I'll play for you. What is that? Huh? 
indecision and vacillation, right? And uh, a few, it wasn't long. I mean, it was two or three minutes maybe. And he looked down, we're, we're still sitting there. And the place was packed. And I mean, he, he barked at us. He said, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't have called on you. <laughs> so I said, that's harsh. No, we knew better. I said, we knew better. And what we didn't realize is we're being disrespectful to the anointing. When the Spirit of God's doing something, we ought to respect it enough to be as ready as we know how to be, to respond. Years later, he'd call me and say, Brother Keith, come up here. And people asked me, why did you run up there? I saw you just run up those steps. Well, I ain't dumb. I mean, once of that's enough for me. And he was right. I said, he was right. Come on. When the, see, so many times people think, well, you know, if the Lord called me, sure, but that's just so and so. How is it now? Then when is it the Lord calling you? See, to them, never. No, when it's the Lord's things and we say, come on, come do this. You got to realize this is the Lord's things. So you take it personally as though he said do it. Didn't the Bible say what you do? Do it as unto the Lord. So you, you, you're, not, you're not lax and you're not slack and you're not ambivalent, wavering, vacillating. Now, let's ask and answer the question, why do people struggle so with indecision? Why do they struggle so with wavering? In 2 Corinthians, are you there? Those two places we talked about, but it, let's, let's look first in... Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, then, then I think we'll go back to that first Kings. Abraham was what? Fully, fully persuaded. In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse 2. He said, I am jealous over you. This is 2 Corinthians 11.2. Jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Then he goes on talking about if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom you've not preached or if you receive another spirit which you've not received or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. And he goes on to correct them about this. How many understand there is not another Jesus? There is not another gospel. There's just the one Jesus and the one gospel. So nobody should be confused about it because there are no decisions. He said, I'm concerned about you, lest your minds be corrupted from what? The simplicity that is in Christ, in the anointed one. If you come over to my house and they say, would you like something to drink? And and I bring a platter out and I said, well, we've got tea and then we've got tea. 
Or if you like, we have some tea. What would you like to have? Do you labor over which one to get? Do you waver? Do I want the tea or or there is no R? <laughs> so there's nothing to waver over. Right? Now, we're getting to the issue here. Why are people indecisive? Why are people wavering? Because they are considering things they ought not be considering. Why was Abraham fully persuaded? He considered not his own body. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's why he was fully persuaded. He wasn't just sitting in his tent. Wringing his hands going, well now I know God told me that I was to be the father of many nations. But Sarah is an old woman. And she couldn't conceive when she was 25. And here I am 99. And everybody knows. I mean Sarah has gone through the change of life. And I'm 99. And I'm just confused. I mean how, how can. this? It's only confusing when you consider what you ought to consider not. Did you hear me? Some years ago, the Lord gave me this. I wrote it down. The enemy is the master of division and confusion. He is the offerer of other options. Isn't he? The devil is the master of confusion, division. He is the offerer. Of other options. You can't waver without a choice. Right? You can't waver without a choice. Without an option. And you only are tempted to waver. When you consider the other options. People say well. You could stay here. And you could do this. Or you could go over there. And do that. Or you talk to somebody else. Well, there's another opportunity over here. You could go over here and do that. Or you could do that. But when the Lord says stay here, there's nothing else to consider. Right? Unless you're going to be disobedient. If you've heard from him, then now there is nothing else to consider. In the garden... We just got through reading. He said, I'm I'm concerned about you. Lest your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. That you'd be beguiled like Eve was. In the beginning, God created the garden. Put his man in there. Everything was wonderful. No curse. No sickness. No death. No poverty. No lack. They didn't even have a too cold day or a too hot day. Everything was perfect. And he told them. Don't eat the tree of of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that. Because if you do, you die. Is that confusing? Is that complex? Complicated? Hard to get a hold of? It's real simple. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. Stay away from that tree. Don't eat that tree. Fruit of the tree. Don't. Nothing complicated about that. But... Next thing you know, they're out there hanging around the tree. <laughs> Looking at the tree. And guess who shows up? The author 
of complexity. The author of complications and confusion and offerer of other options. He says, uh, I notice you're checking the tree out. Yeah. Is that good looking or is that good looking? Have you ever seen fruit look like that? No. This fruit, I'm telling you. You know, you, you never met a salesman like the devil. Right. <laughs> he can sell it. He said, now this fruit, I'm telling you, one drop of this juice on your tongue and it takes you into another realm. I mean, you just, you never tasted a fruit like this fruit. Yeah, yeah, but, but God said, I know it, I know it, I know he did. But you know, there's more to it than face value. You see, he's not telling you the whole story. If you eat this fruit, you will have knowledge like him. You'll know what he knows. And he doesn't want you to know that because, well, you know, he's God. And he's kind of got a big ego and he wants you to be, you know, under him. And, and if you get this knowledge, you won't really, you won't really need him. He knows that. And so you won't die, not like die. There'll be some changes, but you know, you will be like God. And the longer he talks and the longer they look, it's getting complicated, complicated. Eve is shaking her head going, I, yeah, but I thought God said, yeah, yeah, he did, but it's not that simple. I don't know it to people. Who looked at me and said, well, now, yeah, but I give them a scripture and they said, yeah, but now it's not that simple, brother. Oh, yeah, it is. It is that simple. Don't eat of the tree. When you do, you die. It is that simple. By his stripes, you were healed. I know all that, Brother Keith. I know all those scriptures, but you don't understand. See, this runs in my family. It's, it's a generational curse thing. It goes back. We don't even know how and where it started. And, and we need a lot of prayer. And we need a lot of... It's not that simple. And then people brag. In, the, in our society, they brag about being a complicated person. I'm, I'm, I'm complex. I, I know it. And not everybody appreciates that. But I'm, there's more to me. Then what you see, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> That's the word <laughs> you, uh, you're looking for. I'm very, I'm very, I'm complicated, you know, and people don't understand. No, what you are is confused and wavering and unstable. Oh, but when the Word of God is your final authority, and when the Lord has told you something, either through the written book or by His Spirit, you say, that's it. That's it. Nothing else to consider. Then you don't get confused. Because you don't consider all the other stuff. Hallelujah. I like the simple life. I like 
not having a barbed wire entanglement of junk in my head. Amen. I like knowing who I am and who I ain't. What I am and what I ain't. We knew there was a move coming in our spirit. I mean, in our ministry back, you know, what, three or four years ago. We knew it. it, I mean, it had come up so many times. We thought about going to this place. And we thought about going to this other place. Several good reasons why. But when we got it in our heart, Branson, which was not on the list. (laughs) Then there ain't no need in looking in South Florida. Anymore. There's no need in looking in California. You see what I'm saying? There are some that said, yeah, but you know, the economy here and, and the population here. And see, people try to make it complicated because you, you got to take all these things into consideration. No, you don't. When you've heard from God, that's it. That's it. Forget the rest of it. Don't burden your head with the rest of it. Don't take up any more time with the rest of it. Amen. Just recently. Phyllis and I have been believing for a, a, a jet that you could fly a single pilot that was operate short field and, and, and uh, inexpensive to operate. For years. We've sown seed for years. Years. And I got, I got magazines. My guys can tell you. Dear me, I have read articles. and I, I'd, I'd go through and look and look and look. When Jesse and I got to talking... And I had the witness of the Spirit, and he had the witness of the Spirit. I said, that's it. Put up the magazines. Had to put them away and throw up. Why? I'm through. Did you hear me? Somebody said, yeah, but there's thousands of people. Not for me. Not for me. Yeah, but there's others that have this and have that. Mm-mm. No. Once you got the witness, that's it. This is my airplane. Amen. That's what I'm going to focus on. Yeah, but there's always something better. And there's a... No, no, no. There's the will of God. And then there's everything else. <laughs> I have chosen the will of God. Amen. And I don't have to consider everything else. We live in the information age. And there's a thing called info glut. Ah, I'm telling you, you can do a search on the internet. It'll come back with 11 million hits. And you are dumb if you go through them. And waste all your time. We live in a society that's always going, I, I got 190 channels, but are, aren't there some others? Uh, <laughs> there, you know, there's always looking for something else. I mean, so what's wrong with that? A lot. That's why we have a, a, a nation and a world full of unstable, wavering, vacillating Christians. Church hoppers. We'll try this. I don't think they have strong enough move. Let's try this. Well, I, I don't know. I want more miracles. Let's try this. Well, I don't know about this. They don't have this program like that. Let's try this. Let's try this. Hey, never grow up. Amen. Never put roots. Never get fed. Never develop. Always looking for this. Changing spouses like they change clothes. Mm-mm. When you've heard from God. I said when you've heard from God. You got it. Consider nothing else. 
Right? There's a lot of stuff you're better off not even hearing about. What if Eve, who, who was beguiled, what if she'd have said, you know, when the devil said that, she said, uh-uh, no, 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 I don't even want to hear that. I don't, God told me this. You shut up. Let's get out of here. Right? Well, we'd all still be in the garden. <laughs> right? What if you and I wouldn't consider all the devil's options? It's a popular word of his, isn't it? Alternate. Alternate. Alternate position. Alternate lifestyle. Alternate. If you're a Christian and the Word of God is your authority, there is no other Jesus. There is no other gospel. There is no other way. So we're not confused because there's no choice. In closing, go back please to uh, 1 Kings. This is important today. This can solve some things that have been tormenting some people. 1 Kings 13. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I won't read the whole thing for time's sake. But it is the story of a man who was a prophet a young man who was a prophet, whom the Lord sent to cry against the ungodliness and idolatry of a backslid people. And he did. And supernaturally, God confirmed his word. And the king, after messing up big time and then repenting and actually had to get healed over his rebellion, he tried to get this man of God in verse 7 To come home with him. And the king said to the man of God. Come home with me and refresh yourself. And I will give you a reward. Well he's the king. This probably meant a lot of money. The man of God said to the king. If you'd give me half your house. I will not go in with you. Neither will I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord saying. Eat no bread nor drink water. Nor turn again by the same way that you came. Is he confused about this? No, No, he is not. He's talking to the king, the sovereign of the land, who's able to make him rich. And he says, no, uh -uh, I don't care if you offer me half of everything you got. I am not coming home with you. I am not having a meal with you because the Lord specifically told me don't. So, no, bye. And he turned and was, like the Lord said, going home a different way than he came. Good. He's doing good. Is he being led? Yes, Yes, he is. Verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And the words which he had spoken to the king, them they told to their father. And their father said to him, which way did he go? And for his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said to his son, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And he went after the man of God, and he found him sitting under an oak. Under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. He said to him, come home with me and eat bread. Now let's just stop right here. Why did he want this particular thing? Why come home with me and eat? Why? Do you understand that even Christians, if they're not right and thinking right, they can yield to the enemy? 
and be used of the enemy to try to influence people wrongly. The man's a prophet. But there are indications that he hadn't been too close to God, if you read the whole story. And I think this is one thing. He sees somebody that really is being used of God, and he's gotten cold, and he wants to try to get some of what they got or get involved in it some way. Come eat with me. The Lord didn't tell us this person like he did this man, but are you confused about what he should tell him now? What should he tell him? Well, what did he tell him? He said, I may not return with you, nor go in with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that you came. I mean, he quoted it just like he did the first time. He knows exactly what the Lord told him to do and not to do. And he tells him again, no, uh-uh, no, no, I ain't going. And he said, the old prophet said, I am a prophet also as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. And he said, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. Oh, man. I mean exactly disobeyed did the exact opposite of what God told him to do and it came to pass that while he was sitting at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet that brought him back and cried to the man of God and said thus says the Lord for as much as you've disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you you came back you ate bread and drunk water in the place which the Lord did say to you eat no bread drink no water your carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of your fathers it came to pass after he ate the bread and he drank he saddled the donkey and while he was gone a lion met him and killed him was that the perfect will of God? Certainly not. What happened here? Now listen to me carefully. What did this man? This man was a believer in Jehovah. He was a prophet. But he missed it. And he lied. And he said, an angel appeared to me. And the word of the Lord told me. The opposite of what he told you. So he changed what he told you. No. No. Nope. 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 Listen to me. When you get something in your heart. God tells you clearly. Don't you let anybody come along and say, Yea, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to do that anymore. I've heard from the Lord too. And I had a vision. And, and you're released from that. You know, listen, listen. You don't want to wind up in judgment. When the Lord's told you something, don't you back off of it. Don't you change it because of somebody's prophecy or somebody's tongue and interpretation or somebody's vision. Because the enemy tries to work through these areas. And even sometimes they are believers, but they just miss it. And they have wrong motives that make them open and susceptible to deception. Like this man. Do not, after you've heard from the Lord... Do not let somebody talk you out of it. Can you say amen? amen. I know that's a sobering thing, but I, we, should, we should heed it. Never replace what you've received from the Lord for yourself 
from something another person says they receive from the Lord for you. Does that make sense? In these years of ministry, I don't know at the times that we've had people write or call or come and say, you know, the Lord has directed me that you should do this. Really? And hadn't said a thing to me about it. I mean, you hear it all the time. People getting well, the Lord has, has dealt with me that you should. I mean, when, when I hear that, the Lord has dealt with me that you should do. Red flags go off. Did you hear me? All these folk always being led to tell other people what to do. They need to hear from God for themselves and get busy doing what they should be doing. I know some folk don't like that, but I'm telling it for your benefit. Beware. There's some people in this place have missed it in times past by the same kind of thing that happened right here. You had it in your heart. God told you what to do. And then somebody come along. They prophesied. And they told you this. And they told you that. Laid hands on you and shook you. And you decided God changed his mind. God does not change. No. You've heard from God for yourself. You do not let somebody else come along and say they've heard from God for you to change that. Beware of others hearing from God for you. They say, I feel led that you should. I believe the Lord is telling me that you are supposed to. So many times this is wrong. Let me give you a Bible example. I'm trying to close, but there's some folk didn't care for the last few things I said. Take it back to the Bible. Take it right back to the Bible. Everything. The ministry of the prophet in the New Testament. We don't have that many examples other than Jesus. And in the book of uh, Acts, we have a man named Agabus. Remember him? A prophet of the Lord. The Bible said he was a prophet. He comes to Paul. Remember this? He takes off Paul's belt. He ties up his own hands and feet. And he says, thus saith the Holy Ghost, the man that owns this belt, this girdle, the Jews are going to tie him up just like this at Jerusalem. Did he tell him, I feel led that you shouldn't go? No, No, he did not. The Lord is showing me that you better not go. That would have been his own words and his own interpretation and it would have been wrong. Under the old covenant, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, every person. People did have to go to the prophet and inquire of the Lord. But under the New Testament, every one of us have the living Spirit of God on the inside of us. Every one of us can go to God personally and pray and be received ourselves without having to go through other people. Every one of us can hear from God. So, the prophet's ministry, prophetess's ministry, isn't like in the New Testament exactly like it was in the Old. And all this stuff about people telling other people, I just feel led of the Lord that you're supposed to marry so-and-so. I just feel led of the Lord that you're not supposed to. All this telling other people what to do, so much of it is wrong. And people putting their own interpretations of things. When it really is the word of the Lord, notice how it works. This is what's going to happen. 
Didn't tell him what to do. Didn't tell him what, what not to do. This is what's going to happen. Because Paul has the Holy Ghost too. Right? He knows God. He's heard from God. Beware of all this stuff about I feel led of the Lord that you are supposed to do this or that. And especially when you've heard from the Lord and something comes different to what he's told you. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is. Trust what you get inside. Trust the Holy Ghost. Only he knows more than you. He knows more than me. Right? Say it out loud. I have the Holy Spirit. Living inside me. I trust completely what he gives me. I rely on him. I trust in Him. I follow Him. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.